Hey folks, Chris Whitaker here, as always, for your installment of this week's Iron Dread Podcast. This one is episode 30, featuring United States Marine Corps Sergeant Retired John J. Spellman. Jay is a great friend of mine, and we'll talk uh, with him in a few moments. Jay was a major influence in me as I grew up, and he has a great story to share of his life and how he went from very humble beginnings in upstate New Jersey to being a man in charge of many employees and a multi-million dollar building in the middle of Manhattan. Um, Jay was a major influence on me as I was growing up and uh, yeah, I'm glad to have him on. I'm glad to have him share his story with all of you. So before we get to Jay, I want to shout out again everybody going through this uh, quarantine here in Michigan. We are starting to get a little bit of reprieve. We're starting to get some things opened up, uh, but we are still uh, a long ways away from being back to normal for sure. If you are enjoying the show, please don't forget, hit that subscribe button. Hit it right down, right at the start. Go ahead and tap that subscribe button so you can get new episodes each and every week. And while you're at it, you can find that button somewhere on your phone and uh, and hit that share button and share this out. Uh, our listening audience is growing every week, and that's great. Thank you to those of you that tune in every week. We appreciate you. But the only way this podcast gets any traction, these messages from all these great uh, guests get out there to people in the world is by you all the listeners sharing with everyone else so hit that share button send it out post it on your instagram on your twitter on your facebook share this stuff out there and what you're doing is working because our audience is growing we now span across four different countries here on the iron dread podcast and i think that's awesome the united states obviously canada australia again shout out to sir cats and all our friends down under and Germany. So four countries all getting to enjoy the Iron Dread podcast and take something positive from our guests and our show each and every week. Also, all those people that listen to the show that are training and getting after it in the weight room, I recently was privileged enough to have an article that I wrote published on EliteFTS.com. This article is entitled Conjugate Training at Home with No Equipment. So this article looks into how to apply conjugate training principles, which is what we train with an Iron Dread SC and yours truly. I train in a conjugate training style. If you listen to past episodes, you know this. Uh, this article lays out what conjugate is and how you could train in this training style using nothing but household items. So check that out. I'll post a link to the article in the show notes or visit EliteFTS.com and search conjugate training at home and you'll find the article uh, written by yours truly so don't really have a lot for the open this week folks um look forward to hearing the response to jay and the message he has to bring getting some people lined up for future episodes if you're somebody that's listening to this show right now and you feel like you have a great story to share reach out to me you know, reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at Coach underscore Whitaker. On Instagram at, is at Coach underscore Whitaker 66. So just find me on there. Uh, send me a DM and let's talk. Let's get you on the show so you can share your story with our listeners and anything that uh, you may have positive for them. So without much further ado, I give you episode 30 with John J. Spellman. Hit the intro music. Hey 
Here we are. We're back live to record on the Iron Dread podcast. I'm sitting here talking with a mentor of mine uh, throughout my youth and growing up uh, and still to this day, uh, Mr. John J. Spellman, uh, U.S. Marine Corps Sergeant Retired. Jay, how are you? Fine, thank you. I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. And you know, Jay and I were just talking a little bit before we went on record. You know, with the theme of the podcast being, you know, having something positive for the listener to take, something enjoyable for the listener to take, a lesson that the listener can learn. And when I was growing up, you know, Jay was a, a big influence on me, uh, you know, second only to my, my father. You know, the, him, and, him and Jay were right there side by side, kind of helping uh, guide me down the right paths in life. And I think Jay's got a great um, story that he could talk about his time growing up and uh, listeners can take good things from that. So Jay, uh, why don't you just for, for our listeners, uh, just kind of give a, a you know, brief thing about, you know, kind of your timeline in life and then we could go back and kind of break it up and talk about different phases uh, as you've grown, uh, grown up here. Um, born and raised in West Milford, New Jersey, um, in a broken family. Um, had a mother that was, have a mother that uh, was extremely inspirational, um, taught us about family, our relationship with God, and about hard work. And you get, do things honestly, you do things morally correct, you go to work every day, and you'll be blessed. So we all had a very, very difficult, rough start. Um, I lost my father very young in life, and um, <clears throat> we were a big, huge family unit. And um, I was in high school, and I started a co-op program, and I had a woodshop teacher. His name was Mr. Griswold. And he was someone who was very special to me. He took me under his wing. Uh, he asked me as a young young guy in upstate, I mean, in, um, you know, corner of upstate New York and West Milford, um, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to work. So I told him that I wanted to work for IBM. And he said, wow, I haven't placed anyone in IBM for years. And um, he pulled some strings and got me an interview. So, of course, he said, you need a resume which telling a high school senior that he needs a resume is a kind of difficult thing. But his wife was also a school teacher. So she stayed after school with me one night and helped me put a resume together. And um, I put the application in, interviewed and got a job with IBM on a co-op program. Um, it was a huge life lesson. I went from being a high school senior to being at um, an IBM facility um, I worked there for my entire senior year uh, before leaving for the Marine Corps. Made some friends with some of the guys in the maintenance facility. And um, then after serving in the Marine Corps, I got out and I was trying to take police exams and um, bumped into one of the gentlemen I work with, Ron Longo. And he uh, said, oh, we need high school. We have... Um, um, part-timers or well, I forget the exact term for it but you'd work like up to a year you weren't a permanent employee but you were like a uh, supplemental employee mm -hmm. so I wound up going back to work um, there for uh, not quite a year about 10 months and my boss got a hiring ticket and said um, I have a lot of guys who are more qualified than you <laughs> but you get along with everybody and you show up and work hard every day so he told me i had to go to school if i wanted the job so i went to uh, technical college at night and um, wound up getting a job with ibm which was a huge life changer um was with ibm for nine years and then in the early 90s they had a very large layoff and um lost my job and quite honestly uh, as anyone you know can imagine it was a very very difficult time to be married with kids and losing your job and worrying about losing your home and it's very close to the economic times that we're going to be going through now with this coronavirus and um 
I just kept the faith and worked hard and wound up landing a job with a management company in the city, which was extremely tough, um, as you remember, you know, commuting five hours a day back and forth to Manhattan. And, and I took a job in a field that I, uh, quite honestly, was not, um, didn't have a lot of experience in. And I, uh, as they say, rose up. And I was with that firm for three years and then um, was offered a job as a general manager where I am today. And now, 23 years later, 56 employees and uh, hanging tough. So it's been a long road from a, you know, a kid in a small farming community to, you know, working as a GM at a, you know, a museum in New York City. And, um, but it's, it's just goes to show that if you work hard, you know, and, and, uh, you know, keep your faith right. All good things happen. So. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's, you know, that that's why you're here, right? That's why I wanted to have you on, uh, because that's a, that's a message that, you know, I think our listeners can take, like, you know, everybody doesn't have the direct path to that, you know, big paying job or, you know, very affluent job, whatever you want to call it. Right. A, a lot of us got to kind of grind and work and got, you did that. Um, you, you, you had to grind through different phases, different stepping stones along the way, you know, IBM, Marine Corps, right, working all the way up to where you are now. And now you're a leader of others within your, within your position and, and career. So it's a, that's a, that's a big message we want to convey. Uh, so, now that everybody kind of has your kind of timeline layout, um, let's look at um, let's look at the Marine Corps. Well, we'll go we'll go to the Marine Corps. Um, when you were when you were coming up through the Marine Corps, um, what what were some things that you kind of picked up or learned? Because obviously, I'm sure there was a lot of lessons that were taught to you in the Marine Corps. What what was something that you you took from the Marines and uh, you know kind of took that to life? Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is never to give up and it's okay to fall down, but it's about getting back up. And that was, you know, one of the, probably the biggest things. And the other thing was, uh, the ability to stay strong and the ability to, to work with people and have loyalty and, you know, today's times loyalty is, you know, a loss factor. Um, you know, people start a job when, you know, when I was younger, people started a career and were with, you know, someplace for 30 years today, you know, you speak to a young college graduate and, you know, speak to him. He's had three serious jobs, you know, as soon as, you know, a better opportunity comes along, they, they look at the financial gain and they jump ship. And, um, I'm not saying that's not important to do that, but I think, young people need to be more cautious before they jump. Um, you know, we tend to jump for financial reasons and not jump, you know, for the right reason. So you have to, I think people need to be very cautious. You know, I've had some job offers with some large compensation packages that would have made initially a very, very big um, change in my lifestyle. And I stayed loyal and did the right thing. And in the company in the long run did the right thing back. So I'm not, you know, trying to say that people shouldn't go from one job to another opportunity, but I think they need to be more cautious about it because you can make more money for five years and then wind up in trouble. So, you know, like perfect example, again, you know, referring to these times, you know, you could go leave a bigger firm, go to a smaller firm, you know, be rocking and rolling next, you know, oh, I'm the little guy in the poll. We're going to have layoffs. And then you're unemployed. Now you're trying to fight your way back up to where you are. So I think we have to, you know, be stable and, and, uh, and, you know, just do the right thing. And the grass ain't always greener on the other side. No, it's know. not, you know, and they, and they, you know, what companies love to do is they love to shake money. And then you get into what happens as an employer is you try to do the right thing 
for an employee, whether it's vacation time and all the other things, but there's, you know, the hidden perks, you know, guys, you know, going to his son's football game and you know, he has his son plays football Wednesday nights and you make sure that he can get off, you know, on Wednesday nights to see his son play. To me, that's unmeasurable. You know what I mean? You, you, you got to, employers have to, uh, you know, on employer side, you have to do the right thing for your people. You know, you want them to have a good, strong family life. You want them to be there for their kids. And if it's, you know, a good person, they enjoy it and they're, um, you know, and they're thankful for it. But if you go to a bigger place and, you know, you're making an extra $5,000, but you miss, you know, half your son's football games, hey, you know, it was a $5,000 worth it, you know? Yeah. So it's, 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 um, it's, it's a slippery slope. But, you know, the biggest thing, you know, back to the Marine Corps was, you know, working as a team um, and being loyal. You know, it's the old Marine Corps motto, Semper Fidelis, always faithful. So it's, you know, and uh, it's just a very important thing that we always try to live by. Always faithful. Um any uh you got any you know what you know we, we talk about obviously we're talking about a lot of you know serious things um you obviously we, we spent a lot of time laughing together <laughs> yep <laughs> um you got any uh funny funny stories uh from your time in the marines that you know maybe you learned a lesson from but it's a funny uh a, a funny thing that happened um yeah, there's a few, but probably on a podcast, it's not, it's not, a, it's not, it's not probably not an appropriate thing to, uh, to put on a podcast. Um, you know, there was um, many nights with, you know, some, of course, some alcohol consumption when we were in the Marine Corps and, uh, you know, being a leader and um, just to highlight one that's kind of, Somewhat funny. Uh, I was in 29 Palms, California, in the middle of the Mojave Desert doing desert warfare training. And um, needless to say, it's extremely hot in the desert, and you're not supposed to consume any alcohol when you're on before maneuvers because of dehydration and all that fun stuff. And um, we snuck out and got some alcohol and um, had some, more than a few beers, I guess we'll say. And we started a forced march in the desert and me and my team were dropping like stones with, <laughs> with uh, dehydration and leg cramps. And uh, so we had to be pulled and, you know, be hydrated and lots of potassium. <laughs> so all those things that they tell you, you know, it's kind of funny. It's, uh, you know, you think you're very smart when you're at a certain age in your life and you realize, oh, well, maybe, you know, that wasn't such a bright idea. And, um, uh, there was a whole other thing where we got stuff from and how we got there, but that's, we'll, we'll leave that alone. But it was, uh, it was a funny time. So one of the things that I can look back and laugh at. So withhold any more information um, as opposed to not be able to be found guilty of anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting, you know, thing that we laugh about. Um yeah, but it's that balance, you know, of being a mentor, you know, and, you know, and I mean, about, you know, it's a balance, you know, and, and the thing that came out of that, all kidding aside, is it was bad and everybody stuck together. And we were a unit. And when they asked where the bear came from, nobody said, oh, you know, Sergeant Spellman got it or Corporal Hickey got it. Everyone just said, you know, we have no idea. And everybody took their lumps together. Yeah. So. You know, it's uh, it's what it, the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, well, and facing facing major penalties um, and discipline, the group stuck together. Correct. And you know, you talked about being loyal. You know, being loyal to people in the workplace, or being loyal to people there within a, within a team group. And you know, we, you know, we work with a lot of athletes. You know, I work with a lot of athletes at school, and and that's something that they most definitely can take from. Um, for our, for our any young person out there that might be might be considering you know joining the service or joining the Marine Corps, would you have any advice um, as a veteran to a young person considering going into the service? Yeah, yeah. Find a career path that you want. Um, 
and stick to the path. There's a lot of great jobs in the military. I personally think it's, you know, a very important stepping stone for young people today. Um, I believe there's, you know, great opportunities under the GI Bill. You know, a lot of parents and being a parent, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing because, um, you know, when I mentioned it to your mom, she hit me with a frying pan. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's for a lot of people, it's a great opportunity to go in the service, get an education, get financial aid for an education. And now with the, the big thing now with um, President Trump opened up, uh, military training is counting for um, college credits. So in the old days, if you were a, say, a corpsman in the, in the Navy, um, you couldn't take your nursing boards because they didn't honor all the Navy's training. Now, um, with uh, the new act that President Trump put out, if you serve, then you were, uh, you're allowed to take the boards. And if you pass, you pass, which, you know, kind of makes sense. If you're a diesel mechanic in the Marine Corps and then you want to become a diesel mechanic, they can't say, oh, you didn't go to DeVry. You learned how to be a diesel mechanic. You know, it's not an accredited um, institution, uh, college institution, which it really is. I mean, it's, it's just a different way of learning you know yeah, they so, have the they're learning the skills like why wouldn't right. you be able to take those learned skills and and apply and use them to a career yeah. right so they've changed that now and it's very very important um you know telling telling uh you know a navy captain that he can't be a, a boat captain on a on the hudson river because he's not qualified <laughs> meanwhile he was in charge of a nuclear sub for 20 years it's kind of you know a ridiculous uh a ridiculous um, thing. So, yeah, that that is crazy. I never, I never knew that, uh, and that that is nuts. Like you, you're just completely ignoring somebody's uh, skills that they've learned because they were in the military, didn't learn them from some school. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, combat a combat corpsman, you know, has to go t for two more full years of college to become a nurse. Really? <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's just, it's just insane. So. But it's it's a good thing. That is absolutely crazy. So, all right. Well, we'll move on. Uh, let let's let's get to New York City now. Um, obviously, you know it's probably like a a little. You know, for me, New York City is like one of those those love those love hate things, right? There's there's good things about New York City. There's some not so good things about New York City, which I'm sure you know you can agree with, right? Very crowded, etc. But, uh, you know, you said that getting down there to New York City, you had an opportunity to, to work down there, and that's what brought you there. Um, any, um, so like, uh, talk a, we'll talk a little bit more about, let's talk about the, um, the building that you're in. You don't have to, if you don't want to give the specific name of it, that's fine. Um, but what does your building, what is it, um, what is the service, you know, kind of how, how does your day-to-day your -day operation go? Um, it's, it's a residential condo. Um, there's 56 unionized employees uh, that range from engineers to handyman to doorman to elevator operators, uh, housekeeping department, executive housekeepers. Um, my job is to be responsible for the entire building as a general manager. So it's capital projects, operating budgets, you know, all the capital uh, expenditures um staff staffing uh, schedules um cleanliness of the building um everything in that realm so um i'm blessed to have four good supervisors that do a good job that take a lot of the weight off my shoulders um but it's 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 you know it's it's a fairly big responsibility you know we have an operating budget of 6.2 million dollars yearly and we usually do roughly a little over a million dollars worth of capital projects a year so there's a lot of you know balls and spin a lot of you know at any given day we could have 100 200 contractors in the building um, a lot of stuff going on a lot of a lot of stuff and a lot of the people you know the people buy these condos and live live in the building and work there you know in manhattan 
yeah, most of them have multiple homes. It's we're probably in my building. We're probably only forty percent occupied at any given time. The majority of the residents have multiple homes, whether in Asia or Europe or Central America, and um, the rest live there full time. So people are coming into the city from all over uh, for work, and they keep uh, they keep property there in in your building. Um, I'm going to bring up one that uh, one thing, cause I know you lived it and I want you to, I want you to talk a little bit about it, even though it was a very rough time, a very scary time, but the attacks on the world trade center in 2001. Yeah, that was a tough one. It was um, uh, working there. Um, I actually went on the roof of the building when the first plane hit, uh, my wife was home. She was, uh, she's a nurse. Um, she called me and said, we're under attack. Um, I went up to the roof when she told me about the towers and was with my operations manager and watched the second tower come down. Um, and then unfortunately you have to go into uh, what we'll call Marine mode. You know, you realize that we're under attack and you have, you're in charge of a huge target. You know, you're on top of, you know, a, um, a uh, not-for-profit institution you're a huge building it's full of wealthy people that would be um uh, you know a perfect place for something like that to happen there so you go into lockdown mode and you you know you throw all the contractors out of the building and you lock the doors and you go into uh you know a, a safe mode so to speak and then you have all the people you know then you have uh um, you know, the people coming up from, you know, downtown covered in, you know, concrete dust and hurt. And um, we were very blessed. You know, we have very generous people live in the building. And they told me to anybody who was stuck in the city to open up their apartments. And we had friends and people and people, new people that couldn't get back to Jersey. They couldn't get back upstate New York and they were staying in the building. The eeriest time for me was the next morning on September 12th, you know, watching F-16s fly over Manhattan. I mean, you talk about an eerie feeling, you know, it was, uh, it was really scary, you know, and, um, but, you know, as you know, we, you know, we all lived through it and the country became better and stronger and we had great leadership at the time and, and we pulled through. So. Yeah. It's, um, you know, we um out here in michigan and maybe places that are a little bit further away from it i think some people like you know forget a little bit more about it because they weren't right there like i can remember you know i had you know you down there and thinking about um you know people you know kids that i went to school with had family members down there and whatnot and uh it's something that i when when that day comes in school, I try to make sure that we take some time out to remember, you know, that that happens, That's awesome. That's awesome. you know, and teach the kids, you know, cause some of these, some of these kids that I work with now, um, they weren't born in 2001, you know, or they were, or they, <laughs> or they were just born then, right. you know? Um, so try to teach them, teach them about that. You know, I, yeah, I teach a health class and a strength and conditioning class, but we could, we can stop for 10 minutes and remember what happened that day. Cause it was, uh, you know, obviously if it affected us, you know, and it still affects us to, to this day with, with how, how the country goes. And I, um, I've actually met and I want to try to get him on. Um, he was a, a coach at Monroe Woodbury high school with, you know, where that is. Yeah. Uh, he coached throws. He was retired FDNY and he was, he was there and he was, you know, going and responding that day and uh you know he he still suffers a lot of health consequences from it and um you know shout out to tim Summerlad. hope to get you on the uh podcast soon coach and uh you know tell his story about it because i think it's uh you know it's something that people need to hear especially people that you know weren't alive at the time to see it so all right. Well, you know, obviously we talk about some serious stuff here. Let's get into the fun stuff. Let's talk about cars, motorcycles, and hunting, which are three big <laughs> things in your life. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, yep. It's, uh, it's all good. Um, 
have a uh, had a 1970 Dodge Challenger forever that I recently just sold out in uh, Illinois. Oh, uh, yep, yeah, it's uh, it was a car that you wanted to take to your prom, and your yep. parents. I said yes, and your parents said no. <laughs> yep, it's a car that uh, I let you drive, and uh, you were driving very cautiously, and I forced your uh, knee down on the gas pedal, and we went extremely fast. And you told your mother, and uh, I was in the doghouse again, <laughs> like a fool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was in the doghouse again. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, some things, you know, don't change. You think they say, you know, when you grow up, the toys just get more expensive. You know, the person doesn't change. So, you know, still love the Harleys and the uh, four wheelers and side by sides and all that silly stuff. And, uh, you know, you get older, you don't have any time to use them, you know, uh, which goes back to, uh, you know, what we spoke about earlier about trying to have a balance you know, it's very important to have a balance. Um, you know, so many young people today are burned out, you know, they got the college and school and work and, you know, older people as well. And it's just a healthy balance between family, and your friends and getting out and enjoying yourself. And, uh, um, cause those are the memories that you'll remember, you know, not, Oh, I've worked two extra overtime shifts. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you remember what's important. So, I mean, people that you know, we all we get it. Uh, we we all get kind of swamped. I know I've I've done it many times, and uh, I think this, you know, having this forced time where you know I have to work remotely, you know, and because of that, I have a little bit more time to like you know learn how to service my lawnmower, you know, and take right. care of my stuff, and and then do things that are are fun, you know. I get you know, get to, you know, spend more time, you know, out in my yard, you know, playing with my dog, you know, doing things that are enjoyable. And, and some of my, my fondest memories growing up, you know, were those Sunday afternoons at Jay's house, hanging out in the men's club, you know, (laughs) (laughs) doing, doing things like, you know, a bunch of us, I'm the youngest in the group. Everyone else is, you know, grown men and we're playing, you know, Xbox video games, and, you know, hanging out with Jay's dogs and listening to country music. And we'll talk about music more in, in a little bit, but just, just having fun and taking that time to enjoy yourself and making it where it, you know, you have that time in the week to kind of decompress and have fun. You know, we see it a lot with kids, like our kids, you know, they have a lot of mental health issues. And I think part of it is because of the the stress and not not having that, like you said, that balance in life. Um, they're always, you know, yeah, um, you want to be focused and you want to accomplish your goals, but it's got to go in kind of cycles, right? Like you work and then you take your time to recover, you know, just like training. You know, we can't train, you know, hard all the time and expect our body to, you know, have a positive outcome. Eventually there's a, a point of, you know, diminishing returns. No, it's very true. And just so you know, the Xbox still happens every Sunday. <laughs> now now with everything being online, you realize how slow you get when you're in your 50s, late 50s compared to these young people. You know what I mean? And you get <laughs> spanked quite frequently, but it's, you know, you enjoy the spanking and say, man, that really stinks. So. And uh, the only good news is, is Ronnie's still much worse than me. So it's <laughs> shout out to Mr. Ron Banks, Esopus, yeah. New York, born and yeah. raised. Yeah, uh, so. <laughs> well, hey, you, you brought up you brought up four wheelers, so we got we got to tell a, a a funny story here. Another time that uh, you and I got in trouble with my mom uh, was a time that we were riding four wheelers. And we didn't have that much land that we, we really wanted to ride on. We had ridden all over Jay's property and we wanted to expand out a little bit more. So I'll, I'll let you take it from there of how we wound up riding the four wheelers and uh, what happened from there. The uh, Well, the interesting part was to touch on is it took a lot for your father to convince your mother when I bought that four wheeler for you to use that I was trustworthy to have you with me. Um <laughs> So it took quite a while to get my, your mom on board and we finally got her on board and we had a friend of our, a friend of mine um, had had a substantial piece of property that was 
a couple miles from our place. So we had to ride the railroad tracks, which quite honestly, as everyone knows, is done quite frequently. It's not supposed to happen. And we made it there and we were stopped by a law enforcement officer and he was very nice and checked registrations and everything was legit. And um, he was, you know, told us to carry on. But when he called it in, there was another police officer who wasn't so friendly, who knew where we were going and we were there riding. And um, we got caught up by the road. And because you were so big, um, for someone your age, you were, even though the machine was registered and insured, you were, were not supposed to be on that CC of a machine until you were 16 and you were 15. But you were 15, the size of an 18 year old man. So we thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. And they confiscated the machine. So once again, um, I think you called your grandfather, who was the town judge at the time. And he ratted us out to your mother. Yep. <laughs> so when I called, um, the screaming started <laughs> at your dad about, I told you not to let him go with him. He can't be trusted. So um, they impounded the four-wheeler and we had to pay a fine to get it out. And we got you home safe in one piece. And I think your mom was mad at me for about three months. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah, the I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, me too. We were trying to come off the, we were, we had to just quick skip across the the road and go down into the property, and there was uh, the, the the sheriff's car was coming down the road towards us, and he wedged the nose of his car in between the front of the four wheeler that I was on and the trail. And uh, another good friend of ours that now uh, has relocated from New York to Georgia, Mr. Joe Alessi, shout out to the Joe and Darlene Alessi down there in Georgia. Uh, he was on the four wheeler. He was the next one in line. He went around you. He, <laughs> he left you. He left me there <laughs> and drove fly, flying down the, uh, on the trail and he got away. <laughs> and it was funny because we were, we were riding and, um, uh, we were riding and um, the uh, they stopped me and said, Christopher's in trouble up there. You have to get up there. Hey, Maria. Hi. So, uh, it was, yeah, I had to go back up and get you and talk to the police officer. Yeah. Yeah. It all, it all worked out in the end. Yeah. So uh, another big thing that you're really into is the outdoors and hunting and um, you know, when I met you for the first time, um, uh, we were hunting pheasants, um, in our local gun club, you know, Westy Sofus Landowners Gun Club. Um, we were out there, uh, hunting pheasants and having good times with that or hunting chickens, as you would say. Yep. Um, you know, you have any, uh, interesting, uh, hunting stories. We probably could think of some from the, from the pheasant hunting days or, you know, Jay's been on many different hunts all across the country. I remember one time he went and shot a moose and brought me back some moose hamburger, which I enjoyed. <laughs> um, any good, any good hunting stories, any good tales from some of your hunting trips? Uh, no, they were a lot of fun. You know, we've I've been to Saskatchewan three or four times and to Newfoundland uh, hunting moose. And then, you know, of course in the States to, you know, uh, down to um, Nebraska and, um, where else did I go? Nebraska, went to Alabama, went to quite a few places. But it's really funny. One of the most interesting, you know, you talk about funny tales and things you remember. Um, Rich Valentine, little Richie was, we were hunting and, and on the preserve and he gave little Richie a BB gun. And um, it was a, it wasn't, I'm sorry, it wasn't even a BB gun. It was a pop gun. And his father was trying to instill in him, you know, total gun safety, which I understand now. You know, I wasn't thinking at the time. But we turned Richie into our, you know, our retriever. And he had to carry all the birds. So this poor kid had probably five or six pheasants in his bag. And, you know, the birds weighed more than he did. And he was struggling to go through. And we had to get into, because your dog wouldn't go in the pricker bush, he had to crawl into the pricker bush to get the pheasant. So I took his pop gun, and again, it was, you know, a, a toy gun, 
and was talking to his father and I put it in my back pocket. You know, it's this tiny little pop gun. So I stuck it in my back pocket and his father had a meltdown and said, what are you doing? I'm trying to teach the kid gun safety. You're putting this pop gun in, in your back pocket. And then I realized, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? Here's his <laughs> father trying to teach the kid to be extremely, you know, gun safe and always point the muzzle in a safe direction, even though it was a fake gun. And I just assumed, you know, to me, it was a toy, but I get it. You know, yeah. looking back, you realize at the time I realized too, once his father brought up, you know, how important it was. So I gave it back to him. But, uh, you know, yeah, we had a lot of fun and, uh, you know, we, we still do. We belong to Lake Katrina Ron gun club and, you know, we hunt the pheasants for four months out of the year. My brother's got two great German short hair pointers. And, you know, it's great to get out in a beautiful morning and smell that fresh air and walk for four or five miles and get a little exercise and get some chicken. So I was I was driving down the road because out here where our where our house is, we have a lot of fields around us because Michigan is just flat. But and, and eventually, I'd love to have you and Aunt Maria out here to come visit us for a while. Uh, maybe once this COVID thing gets all cleared away, we can talk about that. But it's all it's all flat, right? We're driving down the road. It's just a road in between two cornfields. Um, and all of a sudden, I see movement, right? And here it is, you know, a male, you know, a rooster and a, a hen pheasant coming out of the out of the field. So they were wild pheasants. And, you know, very rarely, you know, have I seen wild pheasants, uh, you know, well, a lot of times with our preserve, they would get let out, but it was cool to be driving down the road and all of a sudden wow, and, that and is awesome. see a thing from the past, you know, see, yep. seeing a, a ring neck pheasant come running out of the, out of the brush, you know, along the side of the road and a hen, you know, I think he was chasing a hen or the hen was following behind him. But it was, uh, it was pretty cool to see that uh, down here. All right. All right. So, well, um, any, anything else, anything else important you, you think uh, would be good for the, the listeners to, to kind of hear from you or, or talk about any, any other funny stories you want to tell or any, anything like that? No, I just think, you know, um, it's just really, you know, important to uh, stay straight. You know, the big thing is if I had to tell people one thing, uh, the rewards of being morally sound are, are greater than anything. So um, just let your, you know, your moral fiber be your barometer to do the right thing, you know, and when in doubt, do the right thing. There's going to be, you know, times that young people may be in a job or doing something where, you know, they're being pressured to do something that's not morally correct and they know it's right and just do the right thing. And it all, you know, it, it all works out for the best. And it's just, you know, so even in jobs, you know, you see guys today, they take jobs and their boss wants them to, you know, do something funny with a bill or, you know, do something. And, and I'm just a firm believer that if you allow the small things to go by, your conscious kind of gets used to uh, the, the bigger things sliding by. So it's, if I had to say anything, it's just stay straight. Very good. Very good. I think this is going to be a good one. Um, and I hope a lot of, uh, you know, the kids that I teach listen to it. I hope a lot of, a lot of people listen to it, but one last thing before, uh, we kind of wrap this up. Uh, one of the, the big parts of the show is the, the weight room song of the week. Obviously, you know, strength coach, and a lot of, a lot of times we talk with, um, you know, strength and, uh, conditioning people on this show. So we have our weight room song of the week and we probably could talk about, uh, about training with you, but maybe we'll, I, I told you I'd only keep you on here for an hour. So maybe we'll do another one talking about, you know, what it's like to try to strength train in the midst of Manhattan. Um, but every guest that comes on the show gets to pick a weight room song of the week. So a song that, you know, fires them up, uh, gets them excited um, for whatever reason, whether it be training or just in life. So I ask you, Mr. Spellman, what what is your selection for the weight room song of the week? Um, since you just jumped on this on me without any uh, prior thought, I would have to go with Aaron Tippin. Kiss this. <laughs> it's Aaron a great, Tippin. It, it's a great, you know, uh, kind of a raspy kind of. It's a good song. I think that. I think uh, just the melody and the beat and will make the 
weight room a good place. Yeah, we'll put we'll put Aaron Tippin on our Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week playlist. Remember, you can find that playlist on Spotify. Just search Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week, and you'll be able to listen to Aaron Tippin's Kiss This, chosen by Mr. J. Spellman, and all our other Weight Room Song of the Week selections from past episodes. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Hey, listen, I, when I when I listen to Aaron Tippin, I think Jay Spellman and Al Spellman. Because <laughs> I think Aaron Tippin kind of resembles Uncle Al. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I come to think of it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a, there's a few things right when a few songs and and I've sent you text messages before. Maybe we'll go off on a little tangent here before we close this show out about music, right? Uh, you know, when I was when I was growing up, again, Jay Jay had a, influences on me in many different ways, and one of them would be music, right? So I can remember us, you know, Toby Keith's "Angry American" singing that one at the top of our lungs. Yeah. Um, have you forgotten Daryl Worley? Yeah, was a heavy one at the time, absolutely. Yeah, and listening to that whole that whole album, um, even I can remember us at the dinner table because um, at the time um jay's wife maria shout out to Aunt maria she came through the screen a little while ago um she was still working in the city so jay would be home uh in upstate new york where we lived and he'd come over and have dinner with my family and i and i can remember us sitting at the dinner table one night singing uh trace atkins hunky tonk but dunk a dunk yeah and yeah. <laughs> many other hits <laughs> So, again, Jay, I, I can't thank you enough for, for doing this. You know, it's always good to, to catch up with you. I know I don't uh, – I probably don't call you or text you enough as I should. Um, no, that's be true. So, I got it. But it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it's always great to, to talk with you and see you again. And now I get to share a little bit of, of Jay Spellman with, with all the Iron Dread podcast listeners. So, hopefully, uh, everybody – enjoys this episode and thank you again for being on okay chris thanks thanks again to jay for being on the show this week really appreciate him taking the time out of his day to share his story with us we're going to take a brief break for a word from our sponsors and we'll be back with everyone's favorite segment of the iron dread podcast you know it you love it it's this week's weight room song of the week Presented by Crank It Up DJ Service and Line Dance Instruction. The Iron Dread Podcast is brought to you in part by Crank It Up DJ Service and Line Dance Instruction. Available for all your DJ and line dance needs. Please visit crankitupdjdancing.com for booking information. So crank it! That's it. You know it. You love it. It is time for everybody's favorite segment of the Iron Dread Podcast, and that is your Weight Room Song of the Week, presented this week by Crank It Up DJ Service and Line Dance Instruction. Visit crankitupdjdancing.com for booking and availability information. This week's song, chosen by our guest Jay Spellman, is a big Crank It Up DJ dancing song, and that is Aaron Tippin's Kiss This. Off of his 2000 People Like Us album. Love this song. Love country music. Crank it up. I set her up again. 
began to wash them down And she had just about succeeded When that low down no good cheap Good for nothing came strutting through the crowd All he was leaning on so thick He never missed a lick Professing his never-ending love Oh, but I never will forget When she stood up and said So I guess you think we're just gonna kiss and make up, don't you? That's what she said Why don't you kiss Hey, kiss this And I don't mean on my rosy red lips But me and you I went through And there's only one thing left for you to do You just come on over here one last time Fuck her up and close your eyes And kiss her this Goodbye So, folks, there you have it. Aaron Tippins, Kiss This, off of his People Like Us album. Find that song and every song that you hear each and every week on our Weight Room Song of the Week playlist. Just go to Spotify and search Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week and give that playlist a follow. And you can hear all of these songs that we play for you each and every week in their entirety. They're on our Spotify playlist. So, folks, that's all I got for you this week. We'll be back next week for episode 31 with another exciting guest that's going to bring you something positive and something great. Until then, folks, remember, strength is never a weakness. Tough people always win. Around these parts, we're trying to become dread stronger and kick out of the coronavirus. I'm Chris Whitaker. Talk with you next week.